Good morning, church, and welcome. Would you stand with me this morning? Philippians 4.4 talks about joy in the Lord. It says to rejoice in the Lord, and he says it again, rejoice. So we are here to rejoice and to praise God. Lord Jesus, we love you this morning. We thank you, God, for your presence. We thank you for the freedom to come and worship, God. So we just praise you and lift you high this morning, Jesus. Amen and amen this morning. Let's worship, church.
because you are worthy. I love how the Bible tells us just a picture in Revelation of what things are going to look like. We're going to be forever singing, holy, holy, and worthy, worthy is the Lord. While we are here, uh, we continue our praise this morning. We're going to do one more song this morning, and uh, we're going to do our offering time during that as well, just because he's worthy, right? He's worthy to receive our praise, our thanksgiving, to receive um, the first fruits of what he's blessed us with. So, Jesus, we want to praise you. We want to trust you, God, with what you have given us. No matter what things are looking like or feeling like right now, Jesus, we want to trust you. We want to give back to you, God. We want to trust you with what we're giving. pray for each one in here this morning, God, that you would be with them, their hearts, their lives, whatever they are experiencing, God, that you would meet them just right where they're at, God. I thank you, God, that you are our Emmanuel, that your promise to be with us is just because of who you are, and that's regardless of what we see or what we feel. It's just a truth that you are Emmanuel, God with us. So we rejoice today, God. We rejoice in your goodness and we thank you, God, amen.
desperation is probably an idea that it's hard for us to relate to sometimes. But this song reminded me of a friend of ours that had cystic fibrosis and uh, breathing was very important to her. Her next breath was something that she never counted on. And so this song, when she sang this song, he, you're the air I breathe. She claimed that uh, as a promise to her. You're the air I breathe. And the cystic fibrosis was a disease that was like drowning her. And she hoped to reach the age of 30. It's that kind of desperation that the children of Israel were in about 750 years before Jesus. Y'all be seated. 750 years before Jesus, during the ministry of the prophet Isaiah, we'll talk more about that later, but there's the promise of a Messiah that was coming. A hope when Israel had no hope. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm endeavoring to not preach my sermon right here. But um, we're this is the first Sunday of Advent. Raise your hand if you know what Advent is. All right. Only one person in here raised their hand really enthusiastically. Um, Courtney and Corbin are going to light the candle this morning. Um, The first candle, which is the candle, the hope candle. Um, Because that is the, the beginning of this Advent season. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. But uh, Courtney and Corbin, this guy that's with Courtney, if you know them, um, that's Corbin. You, because you don't, you won't recognize him otherwise. Because he lost a bet apparently, um, and had to shave his wonderful beard off. So I'm going to give the microphone over to y'all. In Luke 1, verses 26 through 35, when the angel Gabriel reveals to Mary that she will supernaturally become pregnant with the Messiah, he says to her, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. When Gabriel speaks the name of the promised child, he gives substance to the hope of all mankind. Jesus literally means salvation or savior, rescuer and deliverer. Messiah will reign over an unending kingdom in which all that was lost to darkness in that garden will be salvaged, rescued, and delivered once and for all. What must Mary have felt in that moment for her people and for herself? Have you ever experienced the thrill of hope? When all seemed lost there in the darkness, a light appears. Jesus Christ is our hope of hope. When all seemed lost there in the darkness, a light appears. We look to his coming, past, present, and future, and as we allow him to daily come stunningly into view, we let our hope arise and rise in him alone. That he came to us as a child, that we who receive and grow in him might be called the children of God, and his reason to expect every awaited promise will be kept. In a world consumed with hopelessness, as dark as night, Jesus shines like the dawn. It is in his advent that we find the hope of the nations. As we light this candle, consider your own hopes and dreams. Is there a darkness in your life for which you seek light of hope? Gabriel speaks these powerful words to Mary in Luke 1.37. May they resonate with us this Advent season, for nothing will be impossible with God. I don't want to interrupt the 
gravity of this situation, but not growing up in a liturgical tradition, um, I accidentally lit the Jesus candle here in the middle. Um, and Courtney said, you're not supposed to light that one until Christmas Eve. <laughs> so, um, I'm, what? Yeah, that's right. That's, that's my sermon later. Um, Pam and I got involved in the walk to Emmaus 25 years ago and um, we came to appreciate some of the liturgical things that most of us haven't grown up with Um, and it was fresh and new for us it was and the idea of it being something like a canned thing it was so new to us we we enjoyed it and got a lot out of it so I challenge you this time, this time of year, to to uh, really see it as a tool that you can use to uh, experience God in a fresh, new way. All right, Pam, you have announcements. Okay, um, if you're a kid, ten to fourteen, y'all are meeting tonight at six o'clock. And um, I also want to point out our flow page, which we talk about a lot, but I don't know if many people use it. I use it all the time. I keep it updated. But you find links to everything we do on our flow page. The Christmas Fiesta sign-up sign up food list is on the flow page. So you can tap on that, and it'll take you to the to what we're having and you can sign up there um underneath that is our advent journal for this advent season it has a daily devotional that you can do and it's awesome um life group sign up if you want to sign up for start here if you want to find out what your spiritual gifts are if you need to be baptized all the things are on the flow page there's a QR code right there. You can you can do that. Um, anyway, our Christmas fiesta is going to be really fun this year. It's going to be different than, I mean, we're going to have games and, and prizes like we usually do, but um, it's going to be on a Sunday um, right after church on the 17th, and um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a little bit different. There'll be Mexican food, a taco bar. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um there may be a pinata for everybody that likes to hit stuff, so it'll be fun. Um, Advent uh, comes from the Latin word that means arrival. And in Advent, we celebrate the arrival, uh, past, present, and future, as Courtney read this morning, um, Jesus' first Advent. His, the advent of, of his presence in our lives as Christians and his future second coming. Um, less future than it was 2,000 years ago. Um, so Advent is a preparation time. Some people say it's kind of like Lent is what Lent is to Easter Advent is to Christmas, a time of preparation where we prepare our hearts and minds for the season. And like the Christmas song that we sang this morning, um, it's, it's a time of preparation. Preparation has uh, a, de- it's a term that's declining in usage uh, and understanding since so many things are instant these days. They don't take preparation. Um, there's, even a, there's even a term called pre-prepared. I don't know what that means, but um, there's things that have already been prepared so that you, when you prepare them, it's less time, um, which is kind of weird. Uh, preparation has a, an interesting negative connotation. I don't know if any of y'all know any preppers. But what they're preparing for is, well, we just won't even talk about that. 
But here's the, um, the dictionary definition of preparation is the action or process of making something ready for use or service or getting ready for some occasion, test, or duty. So like um, dressing up before a date, I recommend it, that kind of preparation. Learning your lines for a play, I also recommend that. But sometimes it doesn't help because then four days before the actual performance, they tell you to take another part. I was the li- in the line, the witch in the wardrobe, and I was raccoon number two. And about uh, five days before the performance, they asked me if I could be the lion. In the lion, the witch in the wardrobe. And I, th- I asked them, can I turn that down? And they said, yeah, no, not really. <laughs> So sometimes you prepare for one thing and you end up you're doing something else. But planning for uh, planning and attending medical school, that's like preparing for a career um, and planning for a wedding. Some of y'all, it's been a long time since you planned for a wedding. Some of you, it hasn't been very long at all. And even during that, sometimes all the preparations that you've made, all the planning that's been done, goes out the window when it starts snowing uh, and, and, and raining and you can't see the mountains anymore, even though everybody's paid a bunch of money to get to the mountains. Uh, Courtney can tell you about that. But planning for a wedding... It involves, for most people, months and months, sometimes a year or two. In fact, Courtney asked me uh, over a year before their wedding if I could come and perform their marriage ceremony, um, which was a good thing because if she'd asked me two weeks before, I'd have said no because I was just getting over COVID. But we made it, we made it happen, and it was a glorious thing. Planning that all that time ahead, and this is... There's a purpose for me talking about planning. Why do you plan for Christmas? Why do you plan, uh, do this Advent thing, which is a preparation and plan for experience Jesus in a, a new way at Christmas time? Think about planning a wedding. If, you, if it works out right, then you can be, a, a bride can be totally present for her wedding, because everything's been worked out beforehand. Sorry, Courtney. Um, I'm talking to Jen right now because <laughs> that worked out. So, so this planning that gets done beforehand, and and everybody has their jobs and knows what those jobs are. You can be totally present and enjoy something that otherwise would be such an ordeal. Because most weddings are, you know, an ordeal. There's a lot that goes into them. But all that preparation beforehand allows you to be present and in the moment during that special time. And so that's what I propose to you that um, this Advent season is. It's a time for you to prepare to recognize and celebrate the Advent of Jesus in all the ways that that happens. That the advent from 2,000 years ago, the advent or the, the appearance in our lives of Jesus when we are born again, and um, looking forward to um, His second coming. Usually called the second advent. So, this morning, I just want you to consider... That the story of Advent begins in the very beginning. The seed is planted in the very beginning. Genesis 1 of, from your Bible. So in the Garden of Eden, God speaks this beautiful world into beginning. And He creates a humanity in His image and blesses and gives humanity dominion over the earth. So there in the garden, and I always love to, to mention the relationship that Adam and Eve had with the Creator. Because there in the garden, 
God and His image bearers walk together in the cool of the day. Just, if you've ever walked with a family member, a grandmother, a spouse, a child, in the cool of the day, the morning or the evening, that's the kind of relationship that Adam and Eve had with God. And I try to imagine that often and, and think what that would be like and how far distant that idea is from the idea of God that I grew up with. And that idea was that God was some old man up there with a fly swatter, a little bit like, well, a little bit like me maybe. A curmudgeon and some guy that, yeah, kind of unhappy and he's got a fly swatter and he's just waiting for you to get out of line so he can smack you. Um, I had a grandfather a little bit like that, but um, that's the picture that I had of what God was like and how far away that was from what Adam and Eve knew God as, that they just walked with him in the garden. A natural, very relational relationship. Um, I believe that's the reality that we were all made for. But, it takes less than two pages for everything to change. Two pages in your Bible. You just turn over the very, from that one to this one and everything's different. Because a deceitful serpent, an apple, and a wretched conversation happen that changes everything and plunges creation into darkness. And death. The serpent lied when he said we wouldn't die because that separation from God is that spiritual death is the truest death there is. So man separated from God at that point, but God has a plan, had a plan all along. So this first candle that we lit this morning. represents hope. It re- sometimes it's called the hope candle. Sometimes it's called the prophet candle. And those are interchangeable because the prophets are the ones that introduce a new hope, not the Star Wars kind, but a new hope to Israel that they didn't know existed. Because as I mentioned earlier, in the middle of their hopelessness, which was 750 years before Jesus, Isaiah spoke to Israel about hope. Isaiah chapter 9, just a couple of verses out of it, verse 2 and then 6 and 7. He says, uh, Isaiah, so Israel has been kind of like being kicked out of the garden. They have been, been kidnapped and taken out of the promised land which we know is Israel today, that Israel, that same piece of land that you heard about on the news every morning last week, that same exact piece of land that was even the same people. These descendants are the same people. People that lived in Gaza back then. People, the Philistines... They were from Gaza. So in verse 2, this is Israel that is in captivity in Assyria and Babylon. Verse 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. This is the prophet Isaiah. So he's speaking about the future because they weren't living in that light at the time. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. For unto us a child is born. Here's the verses we know. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, 
and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So, those verses in Isaiah, we're familiar with because it's part of the Christmas story. But those were spoken of by the prophet Isaiah 740 years before that. The prophet Jeremiah, in chapter 33, starting with verse 14, says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. Now, we're all familiar with these, the context of these verses as being Jesus. But they didn't know Jesus yet. So, 750 years before begins a time of longing for Messiah. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Because if God had been far, far away. Look back through the history of the, the experience of the Jewish people, which is, where our, which is where our experience with God comes from. That they're in the garden and then they're separated. And for a, almost a thousand years, Adam tells the story to his children, his grandchildren, and over and over. But that's all they know about God. But, but Adam can say to them, yeah, you know how we walk in the garden? I used to walk with God that way. Think what? Think what Adam felt like when he said that to his children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, his great-great-grandchildren for generations. They all heard him tell of that story. And I can just imagine him with tears in his eyes thinking about what he had lost all of humanity and that there's, that there's nothing else. The entire people had a relationship with God that was based on something that happened hundreds of years ago. So then we, then we come up to Adam. I mean, Abraham, that other A person. Abraham, we come to Abraham and God tells Abraham, I need you to go to a place. I'll show you where you're going, but you go to that place. And so there, there's individual people here and there that have a very remote relationship with God, but at least they're hearing something from God. And then not much happens again until Moses and the burning bush. And God on Mount Horeb where he receives the Ten Commandments, there's this limited relationship with God, but nothing that compares to walking with God in the cool of the day. Not that kind of relationship. So for thousands of years, people are waiting expectantly to be restored in their relationship with God. And into that comes Mary. We'll talk about her later, but you know, you know the story. Mary was, along with so many young women, was just wondering if they would be the young maiden through whom the Messiah was born. That's, that's what the story looks like. But it's hard for us because we've got our hope in Jesus. 
we've got a relationship through the Holy Spirit with God that is almost as good as walking with God in the cool of the day. It's up to you. I believe that you can experience a relationship that's similar to that, being a friend of God, just like walking with God in the cool of the day. But imagine what it was like for them. Um, from O Holy Night, the, the verse that says, The thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Those are some great words written by an Italian in the mid-1800s that I think do a great job of expressing what that might have been like. So we got baby Jesus born in a manger. Then he grows up and he, Jesus says these words. This is again from the prophet Isaiah. Foretelling what the hope would look like. He says in Isaiah chapter 61 verses 1. Verse 1. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. This is Jesus speaking in his in First Baptist Church of downtown Bethlehem, no, yeah, that's Judea. Where did he go back to live? Nazareth, Nazareth thank you. Um, this is his, uh, First Baptist Nazareth, and he's, he's gone up in the pulpit, and he's reading from the Bible from Isaiah, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And I can just imagine Jesus speaking it with an authority that no one had ever read these verses with before. Man, I ended that sentence with two prepositions. Sorry, English teachers. Um, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And the gospel says that then he sat down. It caused no small stir. But I challenge each one of you this morning to uh, to read those verses yourselves with the same authority that Jesus had when he read them 2,000 years ago. I want to challenge you and see if you're the me in that verse. Because Jesus said that it's the job of the church to be Jesus in the world. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. We can say that like nobody, even in the New Testament, said that until the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. We can say the Spirit of God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Me to proclaim liberty to captives. Me to open the prison doors. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Because if Jesus is our hope, but we don't share him, man, if we do like Israel did and keep, keep God to ourselves, that, we don't, that we're not an agent to bless the nations, that was Israel's job and they never did it. 
It's our job now to do that. To be Jesus in a world that needs Him more than ever before. So the first candle is a candle of hope. It's significant nowadays because many people are living in hopelessness. Hopelessness is blindness to the love of God. And we are privileged to partner with God in helping those who feel unseen and unloved to at least see that they're seen and loved by Him. We get to offer hope to our community. So, we talk about messages being an inspiration, but if, all that, if that's all that ever happens, and we leave here and say, good message, preacher. And that, I used, people used to tell me that years ago. Nobody tells me that anymore. I don't know what that means, but. <laughs> but unless we integrate these teachings into our lives, unless we make them a part of who we are, it, there's no point. So as far as integration goes, I'm going to propose to you that there's three ways that we can integrate this teaching in our lives this morning. And this is all in the, um, the Advent journal thing uh, that Pam talked about that you can find in the flow code, which I don't have anymore, but so basic integration. This is the simplest integration. Give to an organization that helps people. Now, in the offering this morning, if you participated in that or online or in the green boxes or however you do that, you are participating with an organization that helps people because we, we do that with a portion of the tithes and offerings that we receive here. We help people in the community. We've done some very unusual things. Last year, we built a house for a couple that had lost everything. This year, we had um, a, a young girl that was blind, and she was in foster care, and she needed a, an iPad uh, to do her schoolwork with because there was some kind of app that she could read stuff with with, this, with an iPad. And our church bought her that iPad. So if you give, then you're given to an organization that helps people. You can also give to other local organizations, which we do that as a, in this community. We give to the Ministerial Alliance, and which is another organization that helps people. But there are other organizations in our community that I would suggest to you that one way to integrate this teaching is to give to an organization like that. And that will start to tune your heart to, to Jesus and His heart for those who are hurting. I just think, I believe that'll create the possibility for a new awareness. The next step, which we call baseline in the journal, is to help meet a basic need for an individual or a family. This is taking that slightly uncomfortable step to making it more personal because in, the, in that most basic way of participating, you're giving it to somebody and there's an organization between you and those people. But when you, if you hand something or an amount of money or something like that to a person, it changes the quality even of that gift that you're given when you give it to that person. It's a, it's a new experience. And being able to even find who that person is may be difficult. But if you'll look at people who, that you know are helping others, and you can ask me and I'll help you do that. But if you know somebody that's helping other people meet basic needs, then they can help you get connected. And that's why a community like we have is important. The community of 
Victory Life in Chandler. And the last and, and more, uh, a more integrated integration of this teaching in our lives is to be that champion of hope, to be that person that, that goes out of their way on a regular basis to um, identify people that are in need and connect people who are wanting to help uh, an individual or a family. You'll be the person that will give you a job. You can post that on our social media pages. Um, and there, there are people that do that already, that have made themselves, um, that are involved in that in, in their, even in their job, right here in our community, right here in, our, in this building right now, I'll say that, um, who do that on a regular basis. They're champions of hope. Because that's our job. It's the job of all of us to be a light. Just like that candle lit that represents hope. We're supposed to be that same light. The light of hope in a community that is full of hopeless people. Um, We're going to have a a moment um, if Jeff you want to start that music um, we're going to have just a moment for you to pray and, and think about what, what your response to this message is um, but before we before we do that I want to give Yvonne an opportunity to share um, what's going on with her, she's had, she's been dealing with the Lord over some things, and I'm ex, I'm happy for her to share, uh, because I've been praying about this for just a little while, and I'm glad that we're all going to get to do that. was diagnosed with breast cancer and uh, as I was in the word this morning the song that he's been singing has been prayer is the key to heaven but faith unlocks the door so prayer is our channel but faith has to be involved and so Mark 11:24 says that when we pray we believe we receive and we shall have. Well, that word receive means take it. And I've heard testimonies of people going to heaven that there's a great big room up there of all kinds of things for people here on the earth that they have not received healings for or things that they've needed in this life. And so I thought, well, Lord, I'm going to go into that room and I'm going to take what is mine. Because it is mine. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross and he said, It is finished. And when he said, It is finished, he was paid in full. So, whatever we need or whatever we desire, when we pray, believe we receive it and we shall have it. That's the word. The word says that. Yes, the word says that. Revelations 12 and 11 says that I'm an overcomer. By the, word of, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. So the Lord impressed me this morning that I needed to share my testimony that I am the healed and not the sick. I have peace. And that word root peace, it means nothing missing, nothing broken. And so when they greeted each other with shalom, 
and we would greet each other with shalom. We're saying you have nothing missing and you have nothing broken. If you have a child that is away from God, nothing is missing, nothing is broken. So you have a promise. You have a promise today that is ours and it's been manifested in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So I thank God today that I know in whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep me regardless of whatever he's able to keep me and he's able to keep you as you look to him, the author and the finisher of your faith. Amen. Amen. So as, as much as you're able to preach <laughs> stuff, just preach every word you've spoken is word. Yes, and so if we believe in in scripture and what it says because Paul said it's useful for teaching and admonition and and getting our mind right so sometimes our mind can go wrong by things that are said about us that aren't true like you'll never amount to anything you um, all the things that we hear in life and things the devil says to us even things the doctor says to us says, "Well, this is the rea- this is the reality that you're living in." But God says, "There's another reality, and it's the reality that that I speak over you." And so I, um, when, when I found out about this, I said, uh, "I do not accept that because I I plan on being here for about 20 more years, and I need her at least that long." And so um, I'm believing for her to be 102 one day um, when, when I hand the keys over. And so, uh, or more, there, there, she said she's waiting until Jesus comes. But um, I just want to pray for her right now and ask for you to agree with me in prayer about her healing. And I, it's not hard. It. Sometimes it's hard for you to have peace when somebody's shaking you up like this. It's not hard for me because I've seen it happen over and over. My favorite thing is for a person to go to the doctor and the doctor to say, what did you do? Because something that the doctor recognized was your reality isn't a reality anymore. I've seen that happen many times and I'm believing that right now for Yvonne. And so, will you just reach out your hands and pray with me right here in agreement. Father, we are in agreement that Yvonne is healed, that um, her faith would manifest itself in her life starting right now, and that in her next trip to the doctor, there's a recognition of that manifestation, that it is coming true because the the medical indications actually indicate it. So the the reality that someone else is speaking is lining up with the reality that what you've spoken over over her. I pray for all that and for her family to have peace and for her to have the peace that passes understanding. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you all. I liked what my grandson said, Carrie's dad, dad, husband. He said that it'll just be part of my testimony when he found out about it. So I praise God that that's truth. Amen. And so you shared that very testimony with us just right now. And um, that the testimony that you shared right now is that testimony. It's it's true right now. So um, Now, with that being said, we've operated as hope in her life right now. What, what way are you going to operate as hope in somebody else's life this week? So just pray right now with me. Just take a moment and ask God, how do you want me to be hope for someone else this week? How do you want me to be a part of the manifestation of the gospel in just a a normal person's life that I run into this week? Will it be by giving to some other organization? 
will it be by putting it in someone's hand, my very own self? Or will it be because I step into something completely new where I'm the champion of hope in my community, at work, at school, wherever? Heavenly Father, I pray that we'd recognize the calling that's on our lives to be hope to the people that we come in contact with every day. Whether it's somebody in the checkout line at Walmart, whether it's in our own family, whether it's to our friends at school, at work. God, what would you have me do? Because as always, Lord, it's it's our blessing to receive from you and to be a blessing to others. So as we leave this place right now, I pray in Jesus' name for the manifestation of the blessing to be in us and through us. Because if we if if we'll let it flow through us, you'll get it to us. in that we're able to glorify you in Jesus name amen god bless y'all and have a great week and